Hello, horror fans. Welcome back to Selling the Scream. It's a podcast. I'm Jed Donaldson, one of your hosts. Uh, with me today, as always, is my co-host, Josh the Big Dog Yoakum. How you doing, Josh? Yeah. Big Dog Gonna Hunt. Woof, woof. Um, I'm just trying out some new catchphrases with that new nickname. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. How, how are you? here i mean you know i know we said we were going to be more upbeat about these intros but uh meh (laughs) (laughs) what the the state of the world hasn't miraculously gotten better i mean things things are on the uptick there's people getting vaccinated and um yeah it's you know my niece got her first round and uh, uh my wife and i are trying to get scheduled for our first round so uh you know there's there's movement in the i guess the right direction yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, maybe we don't have, maybe it's been a couple months since we've had uh, an, an F in charge, but, you know, a D minus is kind of looking okay. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's progress. I, <laughs> I'm not going to, not going to complain too loudly about it. Now, I guess I do have, you know, my kids are still doing the, the remote learning and, and both of them got their report cards last week, week before. And uh, how'd you do? They're both doing well. Yeah, I guess I could. Always, yeah. <laughs> One of them was just like half a grade off of hitting the honor roll, but it was in, in the subject that it's like pulling teeth to get him to do anything in. So I feel okay about that. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and the other one is, you know, he's in first grade and basically gets like positive marks just for being there. So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same thing with my first grader, where it's just sort of like a, a for effort, and I'm just sort of like. Well, oh, I, no more. <laughs> I appreciate that, but I wish you would hold him a little bit more accountable because that's because <laughs> Lord knows I'm not gonna. <laughs> yeah, uh, mine's actually getting ready to uh, to start in person here. He's got a spring break this next week, and then um, a couple extra days, and then they're kind of figuring out. I don't know why they're doing it. Um, just for the last two months of school, and they're switching teachers and switching times and stuff, and it's just kind of a headache but it's a bad way to handle it i guess he's gonna get some socialization and see some of his friends so yeah yay right i mean so. I, i'm lucky because my friends don't ha- my kids don't have any friends so <laughs> you curb that that's yeah, uh <laughs> you get that right in the butt it's just not gonna happen um yeah the our schools over here i i suppose if we threw a big enough fit we could get them to go back for this last quarter but uh they kind of at the beginning of the year said look or or when they you know, said they were closing down the schools. They said, look, you're going to choose whether you want to do remote or you're going to choose whether you want us to come into school. If you choose remote, you will be going for a whole semester at a time, at which point you'll be able to reevaluate. So we're kind of locked in for the rest of this year, which I'm fine with. But uh, plans are to go back to the actual buildings in the fall, um, which I think will be better all around for everybody. Because I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've heard. I like to think of myself as a patient person, but there are some times where it's just like, why don't you fucking know things that I know already? God damn it. Well, I think the thing that throws most people off is that you wear a mortarboard everywhere that you go. You, you, hold, you hold a diploma and wear robes. <laughs> I mean, I can see why they might get the wrong idea. <laughs> Maybe some of that's on me. <laughs> but, uh... Yeah. Um, do we, we do we talk about dad stuff here though? 
sense. I guess sometimes we do, but... <laughs> no, we don't talk about that sort of stuff on this show. This is Selling the Screen. We talk about horror movies. Uh, specifically, yes. you know, stuff that you picked out to show me and say, do you like this? I hope you do. <laughs> and uh, so far, so good. Yeah, for, for a pretty reductive premise of our show, I guess that's... <laughs> I mean, how much time do you want me to spend on the premise? <laughs> it's very high concept. It's right. <laughs> There's nothing else like this out there. You can't get this fix anywhere else. Yes, that's. Uh, please don't Google search uh, the premise of the show and and find a new show to listen to. By the way. Right. We have a dozen people that rely on us. <laughs> um. Yeah, we got a, a horror movie for us to talk about this time, and I think this is okay, actually the... Right. You know what, it's been a little bit since I did this, but is it really a horror movie? <laughs> I was actually going to, yeah, I was going to kind of preempt you on that one, but um, <laughs> we'll get there. Maybe that's the first thing we can talk about once we do the kind of background stuff and, sure. and, and get through the, all that. But um, yeah, we have a, a movie, The Devils, uh, from 1971, made by, by Ken Russell, uh British filmmaker. Um, this is probably the quickest turnaround we've had on time between my first viewing of a movie and, and me putting it on the show. It's about a, about a three week turn on that. <laughs> um, this is a, a famously unavailable movie. Um, Warner brothers picked it up. The United artists was making it and they were like, yeah, this movie is just too much for us. You can buy it out from us if you'd like. They saw that there was already like investment in it. They they picked up the bill on it and they released it in England mostly uncut and and had no interest in releasing it in the United States. And that's a stance they've held to for going on fifty years now. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I sort of understand the reluctance to release it at the time with the you know the subject matter and stuff. But honestly, I feel like. <laughs> Why <laughs> was it just like habit at that point? Like after like a decade, there's like, eh, we haven't released it. So why, why would we bother? Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, cause we're going to get into it when we talk about the movie. Cause I think this is a very, it's a very extra movie. There's a lot of excess to it. There's a lot. And even the, the things that are in the unedited version are very over the top. But... I, I think I, I wrote down in my notes here that we got Oliver Reed acting his ass off in a movie full of people who are, really really vying for that crispy award <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it is basically oliver reed versus all the crispy nominees and that's enough that's saying nothing against the skill of all who considered this his favorite performance of his entire career <laughs> I, you know what my wife you know walking through a couple times to say what the fuck are you watching was you know stopped in her tracks during one of the many speeches that he gives where she's like this guy is fucking going in <laughs> He is, and he's. I think he's also helped by the fact that I think, uh, basically, the central thrust of this movie is that every woman in this city wants to fuck him. So I think I think he's got the that that little spark under all the yeah. I, I wrote down, "Damn this sexy body of mine." <laughs> um, but the uh, the production on this this was a uh, so Aldous Huxley. And initially wrote the book that this was based off, The Devils of Ludon. Um, okay. You know, the Brave, Brave New World chap. Who, I, you know, I, I think I just, my mind resigns him to that time period of the 20s, and I forget he was writing stuff, like, well into the 50s and 60s. It was a little bit later. From I him. mean, why would he stop? 
<laughs> um, but he, apparently the book goes into even more detail about like some of the craziness that, that went on here, but it was, it was adapted into a stage play by John Whiting, um, which uh, then Ken Russell adapted and directed. And I, I think you can really see, and what we, again, when we talk about the movie, I think you can really see that this is, has roots in the theater. Um, yes. <laughs> it, it's a movie that plays to the back seats. <laughs> um, Every performance. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Ken Russell. Uh, I don't know if you've seen another Ken Russell movie. He's the other movies he's probably most famous for um, are like the Who's Tommy. Um, okay. List, Listomania with Roger Daltrey too. Uh, Altered States um, was made in 1980. And that's a fucking buck wild movie too. Maybe we can talk about that sometime. Movies uh, I'm familiar with, but have never seen. Lair of the White Worm. Um, yeah, he's he's made a billion things, and he got his start uh, doing, like, music, I guess, as the British would say, biopics for the BBC, like, all these, like, stuff about classical composers and stuff, but it was very, very extra, just how he produced it and made it, so he kept kind of getting chances to make movies, um, and finally struck big with his third movie, Women in Love, which is the... Um, Adaptation of the D.H. Lawrence novel, the guy who wrote Lady Chatterley's Lover. Okay. Um, in 1969, also starring Oliver Reed, um, first major motion picture to feature male nudity, Mr. Reed, um, filling that role, role there. So any any interested parties, if you want to seek that one out. Okay. Um, Good on him. You don't see, uh, I mean, you still don't see a lot of dong hanging in movies lately. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, I think in indie horror, it's kind of a point of pride, but it's it's not. It it doesn't come up as often as female nudity did ever or ever does. Right. Um, but that that actually got nominated for some Academy Awards. It won for Best Actress, I believe. Um, so that elevated his station a little bit, got him a little bit of clout to make get this movie made, even if the studios were didn't know what the fuck to do with it <laughs> once it actually got made. Um. Kind of despite their best efforts, it was actually kind of a hit in, in England. Like it, it did really well, and I, I think that's why some editions still get released there. There's a, an unrated cut on uh, DVD and Blu-ray, I believe, in England. Um, but the, even that's kind of hard to get a hold of. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, Shutter picked this back up, uh, and I, I'd heard things about it, and. Boy, once it hit, like, I think the, the horror community has just kind of exploded around this movie. <laughs> um, re, kind of rediscovering, like, oh, Jesus, like, this this got panned by critics back in the day. It was a huge flop. But I think people are kind of a little bit more primed for it now. It's like, you know, the, the again, the Back to the Future, you know, your kids are going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> really ahead of time. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's, uh, hopefully this sees some sort of call for like a reissue. I would love to see it with the footage restored. Apparently, Ken Russell says that this movie doesn't make sense without that footage. I've read what the footage is. I will talk about what the footage is. I think the movie fucking makes sense without it. It's definitely not quite as buckwild with it. And it's hard to argue maybe that the movie would have made much sense anyway, but. Like, it's... I don't think, I don't think the, I don't think the problem with the movie is that you don't understand the, like, what they're trying to say. Like the message is about as subtle as a brick. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was kind of some of the criticism of the day. It was like, Oh, this is 
I grotesquerie and they're these they're they're using the grand we know to send up the state and it's just like I don't know we kind of talked about with the midsummer episode too like I'm I kind of think subtlety is just lost on too many people so when you've got a message sort of like this about kind of man's capacity for atrocity um I fucking shout it from the rooftops I'm (laughs) tell me that message and tell me again because I want to make sure everybody hears it yeah make sure that there's no no uh, way to confuse it (laughs) <laughs> oh one thing i did want to mention with the um apparently there's a major character they drop from the plague otherwise it's fairly faithful um who's kind of a chorus character called the sewer man and boy do i wish that that came over to this movie i would love to see some sort of like it's always sunny in philadelphia charlie kelly sewer man kelly character <laughs> you know who you would you know who would kill as a sewer man you put reunite oliver reed and uh, burgess Mel- meredith <laughs> <laughs> just every once in a while like there's a big dramatic crazy scene and then the camera pans back to just like, a little old man peeking out of the sewer like well and then he just gives you a recap <laughs> i just picture him still like dressed in his penguin costume <laughs> uh yeah um so this movie is kind of buck wild. It goes all over the place. And I'll, I'll give like a general wrap up. And then I think we probably should start with the, is this horror conversation and yeah. where we go from there. Um, so this is based on true events. This is based on uh, during, during three musketeer times. <laughs> um, I, we were talking a little bit before we started recording here. I, I was reading the description of this movie and, and I was like, this sounds familiar. And sure enough, I was, familiar with the source material like i don't know if i had read the story uh you know in a book or online or if i had listened to a podcast that covered it um but i had heard some version of these events somewhere before watching this movie yeah so it's um basically the um the the pre-credits is um kind of the machinations that are going on behind the scenes we have king louis the 13th and uh, Cardinal Richelieu um, in early 17th century France. Um, And kind of as they're presented here, um, and, you know, in a lot of other media, to Louis XIII is um, a hedonist. He's just kind of completely removed from the day-to-day lives of people. He's just very content to just wield power and to be able to do whatever the fuck he wants, but doesn't really have much interest in day-to-day business of running the state or um right our like our first scene here is immediately made me think of the movie Coraline (laughs) where they do the the birth of Venus play with the two old ladies yeah yeah so and actually this is apparently fairly true to fact where uh, I don't know if he did anything exactly like this but Louis the 13th was was most likely um a gay man he was um very interested in the arts and kind of more consumed with the arts in some ways than, than governance. I think they, they take a little bit more Liberty with that here than the real Louis the 13th. I don't think he was quite this detached. Um, right. I think he kind of, he kind of knew of the score of what was going on. Um, but he was like, you know, he wrote operettes and played music and was, he, he was the reason that everybody wore wigs for like 200 years. He was the first person to really do that. So i'm not gonna knock the man yeah yeah uh and i i think in in this movie like 
yeah, he's maybe one of the titular devils and he does some pretty terrible things, but he's also kind of more capricious and I don't know. It's not as more of like a trickster. <laughs> um, and you have Richelieu who's the, you know, the, the head of the church and right. they're, they're having this discussion just at the beginning of the movie where Richelieu is indulging the king putting on this play, it, it, but it's because he's working to forge to unite church and state right. and he's doing politics. Yeah. And create just a strong nation. And you get the, like the credit, the, the the title of the devils over King Louis staring down at him. Um, which I think is, is pretty... <laughs> it, for characters that are backgrounded a lot in this movie, uh, it, they they play a very prominent... Like the whole movie is really about what they're doing. Right. Um, but that does take us to Loudon, where they're... Um, that's a, a city-state in, in France where... I, um, I, I, I guess it, this is sort of the start of more, a little bit more nationalism where there, there was the feudalist stuff before I'm going to get into the history of this and I'm not a French history person. So forgive me if I'm just wildly goddamn wrong about some of this stuff, but, um, there was more of a push of like these kind of estates that were managed by Lords to be more tightly under, um, uh, national control. Um, so their governor has passed away. Um, and there's machinations behind the scenes to get this stuff started. But before that happens, we're introduced to Father Grandier, the kind of person who was taken over for the Lord there until they appoint somebody who the, every goddamn woman in town. <laughs> the Black Plague sexiest man alive. <laughs> we do have the plague going on in the background, too. I think that is actually historically inaccurate. I don't think the plague was going on when this was happening, but... It, it fits the movie and it fits the mood. So yeah, yeah just, just fucking roll with it. Um, but we, we, we find out this is Oliver Reed and he's, you know, entangled in all these different affairs, um, eventually ends up um, getting with uh, a, a young woman whose parents have passed away. He was thinking about joining the convent um, and gets married to her unbeknownst to him one of the nuns of the convent sister Jean of the angels. And just again, everybody, but uh, Oliver Reed. And I, I guess Madeline's pretty subdued too, his, his wife, right. but just turning in. No, she's like the most, performances. She's the most grounded person in this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Vanessa Redgrave playing sister Jean of the angels is just, um, Oh, she's a delight in this. She is. So she's playing for the rafters so hard and just has these like, cackling asides and she's a she's the deformed mother superior of this convent that's all secluded um and who's secretly lusting after grandier um so these these things collide uh the sisters kind of uh, overcome by her lust for grandier the actors of the state find out about that and concoct a story about possession in the nunnery and uh grandier being the person who leads all of it um there's some some buck wild scenes of these basically the state manipulating the nuns into acting the way they want them to act um to convince the population that there's devilry afoot right uh, I, I found it a little strange that it didn't seem like the mother superior was all that well liked within the convent but the, the other nuns went along with it pretty quickly. 
Yeah, and I think we'll definitely get into, I think, why. <laughs> I, I think there's some very compelling reasons why that's the case there. But yeah, she was, she's been portrayed as being very strict with them and, like, a bit, a bit of a bitch to them. But uh-huh. uh, I, I, I think there's some some arguments <laughs> as to why they would they would go along with it, even before their their lives are directly threatened if they don't do it. <laughs> right. Um, but Grandier comes back. He has to stand on trial. It's a, it's a show trial. It's, it's the outcome is predetermined. Um, right. and he's tortured to death. Uh, he has to, you know, try to, he has to confess to being in league with the devil. He confesses to all of his other sins, except that. Um, and then there's just chaos at the end as they're able to do what they wanted to do in the first place, tear down the walls of Ludon. Everyone's, being it's just chaos at the end everyone's either dead or the city's falling apart or it's just they, wait, they waste no time lighting off explosives as soon as <laughs> the guy dies they don't even wait for the crowds to clear yeah it's it's all i think it's part of what makes this movie also feel so stagey is how time is condensed like that where it's yeah. like you've got to, in a play you have to do things like that to move it along you can't just like clear everyone off the stage and be like three months later. Like, <laughs> I mean, I get it, <laughs> but um, yeah, let's, let's start with uh, that, that big question up top. Um, well, first of all, it's on shutter, the streamer streaming horror service. So obviously it's a horror movie case closed. I'm just wiping my hands. Uh, walk away from this. No, I'm <laughs> arguing no, one. Yeah. I'm convinced we can move on. <laughs> um, I mean, We've watched some stuff that we've had this conversation about before. This is probably the least horror movie <laughs> that we've watched. More I, than Blue Velvet? See, it's going to be a toss-up between those two. Yeah. Um, I think that some... You're going to use my word choice against me here, and I know it. That's fine. There's some horrific things that happen at the end, but I don't think that bad stuff happening means that it's a horror movie. I don't, yeah, I don't, I, I think a lot of it for me is, is like a tone and how it feels. And I think a lot of this movie, it, it feels kind of, even though it's like true events that took place in the past, it feels very hopeless in the present. It feels like, um, the kind of the raging against of a, flawed individual or someone right. standing up for freedom being just crushed under the foot of the state. And I think that right. what it's a person who's just one man. What can he possibly do against the machine? That is, you know, the, like you said, the state, the government, the, the, the power that be. Yeah. And I, I think what separates it for me, other than, I mean, there's, there's the torture stuff in here. And I, I, I think you, I think you can make the case for something like that in a drama. Um, But I think the way that this kind of almost revels in it and doesn't look away, that's what feels horror to me. I think it feels, I I don't know if like um, uh, just a straight drama movie would have like uh, the anima scenes, for example, or the, um, somebody getting something driven through their tongue and it's showing on the screen that that feels kind of the Provence of, of horror to me. It kind of pushes it far enough along. I think, um, I, I think where the trap can kind of 
way is it's a little it's also in addition to being excessive and not subtle at all it is fairly highfalutin like a lot of the language is very yeah considered and there's a lot of like theology in it and um but I, that doesn't that doesn't break the deal for me i don't I, I think it's even though it's i think it's definitely rooted in the dramatic theater as far as the structure and stuff but it feels horrid to me i don't know I, if you've got more compelling cases to make if it doesn't feel that way to you i don't i don't know what i can say to convince you otherwise but i i think that this we're just not gonna be able to come to an agreement here i i i don't well, I'm, I, I we we already know at this point I'm more genre fluid than than you are. I think you, I cannot I cannot <laughs> give you a more concrete thing than you know the feeling, right? Like you're saying, if it doesn't feel like horror or it does feel like horror to you, it does not feel like horror to me. It does not read like horror to me. It seems I think you're you're right that some of the like the language and the performances kind of push it out of that territory for me. Okay, I, I think for me too is just. Maybe it's just because I consume so much of it, and it's almost like the the scale that I'm operating on. Because I mean, I, I do have that background in other things, just from yeah. other movies I've watched, or just my educational career, or whatever. But it, I, I watch enough horror, and I think it's I think there's enough legitimately good stuff on there that I, I it sometimes feels a little gatekeeper to me when it's like quality is a benchmark for whether something is horror or not, like. When people are like, oh, Silence of the Lambs isn't horror. And it's like, well, why? Well, it won the Academy Award. Okay. Um, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, and? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't presume to, to make that sort of statement about this. I'm just... it. It's not the quality of the film. I just... Yeah. And I and I readily accept the fact that you, you probably have... You, you absolutely have a broader perspective of this than I do. I haven't seen as much. I don't have as much experience to draw upon when I'm making this sort of yeah. observation. Um, this, but I get it too. Like words have meaning, and if you don't, if you think it's just oh you're slapping it willy nilly, like well why isn't a comedy or why isn't this a romantic comedy even like <laughs> well, it's <laughs> I wouldn't make that argument. <laughs> but I'm just saying like if, if if I'm pushing for things to be horror, I I, I get where you're coming from from that point of view where it's like if, if the genre boundaries get too fluid, they, it doesn't have meaning anymore. <laughs> like yeah. it just, it, it, is it, why is anything, anything, you know, to, yes. to quote the if, greatest if philosopher of our time. Is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think again, it's, it's that effect for me. Like it definitely doesn't have to be, I think there's for some people, it has to be a, um, Oh, like people have, there has to be like jump scares or it has to be like, you know, people getting killed on screen or something, or it has to be like gothic. That's it. I, those parameters don't mean as much to me for, for me, it's a lot more of, um, what is the intent and how is it executed? And it, okay. it, it that's what makes it feel like it, it falls in that wheelhouse to me. I, I mean, I can't, I can't argue with that. Uh, <laughs> the, the, I mean, the biggest thing I could point to is that. I want to say the tone of this movie, but it's it's pretty bleak in parts. I think maybe yeah. it's just the like. But it's also kind of farcical. It's like it's. I think it's I think so maybe that is part. It's it's pretty campy. Like. Yeah. So I, I don't know. So like, the parts that are dark, 
don't seem so dark when you put them against some of the other stuff that's going on here. And even like, um, you have bits that are, you know, objectively terrible. Like when they're doing all the, like they're forcing the, I don't know if it was the mother superior at this point or one of the other nuns, where they force her to vomit and then they examine the contents of her stomach and they're like going through it like, oh, you know, this is part of a fetus, he has a left ventricle, you know, oh, this gooey stuff is definitely semen, uh, that looks like blood, oh, what's that? That's a carrot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are, um, those characters, the, 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 the surgeon and the chemist. Uh-huh kind of feel the most to me like like characters from um like a, like play. a Shakespe- yeah like a shakespearean yeah. play a very right. like they're the they're the broad playing to the 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 penny farthing seats right they're they're playing to the the groundlings the people who yes. are just there to fill up the theater and that's i again like i, I it you know I, I think this plays i mean speaking of shakespeare i think like um I don't know how familiar you are with um because I know one we didn't read in high school because we were in high school together took the same fucking courses. But did you have you ever read or know anything about Titus Andronicus? It's, no, not really. No. So that's that Shakespeare's first play, and it's it is like famously most people think it's terrible. Um, I, I'm kind of inclined to agree, but it's um it's notable in that it's exceptionally gory. Like there's just people getting gutted on stage left and right. It's like it's like a guar show. Um. <laughs> Now you're talking my language. <laughs> and it, it, they feel like they're from Titus Andronicus. They feel like these broad, um, just disdain or, or not disdain, like a, a just disregard for life and for truth and for just being like, they're almost like capricious pranksters. They're, it, I guess if they're, if we're talking devils, they're like the imps. <laughs> okay. Just yeah. I mean, that's... pushing things along. We can go. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That's that's a reasonable observation. Yeah, but I think there's other characters like that in this play. This I say play because it feels so much like a fucking play. In this movie, that just I think this movie deals a lot with archetypes. It's very. Um, I think outside of like Grandier, there's not a lot of interior life for a lot of these people. It's just it's what they represent, mm-hmm. kind of in society or the in. The, the media um, and what we bring to that. But I don't know. I find that, I find that really interesting. I don't know. I don't know where you wanted to start um, talking about it. Cause we kind of blazed through the plot and there's just, I mean, we can talk in some of the scenes to excess. You talked about the, the, the nuns being forced to throw up and all that stuff. I mean, not, not to mention just checking for the virginity to make sure that the, the, the mother superior is not lying. Uh, right. I mean, the, the movie even opens with people on with corpses on Catherine wheels, like it's, right. it's it's all out there. You have plague victims right right up front. Like, yeah, it's it's all. I mean, they very clearly up up at the top, you know, like the the first big kind of speech from our, I guess you would call him the hero of this piece, even though he's <laughs> not terribly heroic to start with, and yeah. I mean, not really at the end either, but. <laughs> You know, whatever. Um, I I do love when he's introed, and it's it's him walking away after his speech, and the two choir boys abandon Father Mignon and come over and pick up his ropes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 ladies want him, and men want to be him. <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying is his first speech? Yeah, like I mean, they just kind of say, 
you know, the religious wars are over, Catholics and Protestants, and they, and they, like, they have scenes of, I guess, captive Protestants pushing this giant cart, and they're being, like, whipped and, and goaded and derided by their, um, by their overseers, and it, like, Protestant scum, and they're really just, like, really hammering this home early on. Yeah, and it's, um, it immediately puts you into it. It is like, this is, this is the world. And I think what's, what's awesome here, and this is a very intentional choice is that as much as there's blood and plague victims and people being whipped and tortured, even like right up front, um, the city of Ludon itself is like pristine and looks, it almost looks science fiction. And that was a very intentional choice. They wanted it to be this like beautiful place that mm-hmm. was, Kind of rotten on the inside already, and then destroyed. <laughs> it, it reminded me of um, like a like a hospital or a or a, like a madhouse, someplace that's just it doesn't. It, it looks clean, but it looks too clean. Like it shouldn't look the way it does. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree with you with like on the convent. I think the convent, the convent looks like a, there looked like a prison to me. Yeah, the the convent is just a masterwork of of design work. I I I adore it. It's like the 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 sisters who live in seclusion and they have limited contact with the outside world, and right. it, it just like, it ec- it echoes so much what's going on there with the characters yeah. too. Like so, subtle as a brick, Josh. <laughs> yeah, because it's these sexually repressed women, and you, you even get a scene later on where they kind of go over the history of like that most convents weren't staffed by people who like right when found the, the love of Christ and were moved the, to join them. When the girl who becomes uh, Father Grandier's wife, she she initially you know after her mom dies, which is a, a scene in and of itself. <laughs> we'll get she, there. Com- she comes to the convent to to say, I mean, I don't have anything else. Both my parents are dead. I have nothing else going for me right now. So the convent seems like the place to go. And, you know, uh, Vanessa Redgrave is the mother's peer kind of just says, you know, what, what kind of people do you think are here? <laughs> <laughs> and she kind of lays it out. She's like, yeah, it's, it's no woman's daughters who they have no use for. You can't put a dower together. So it's Ug- people who are, women. you know, ug- yeah, ugly women or people who are, you know, parents can't care for them or don't want to care for them because they're kind of a burden. So these are people who didn't choose to be here. Yeah, and, it's, it, and they they even talk about there's like the the other convents that she talks about. She's like, they live a life of isolation, just of seclusion, and just they're basically just removed from society and you know tucked. It's, it's like an oubliette. They're just they're they're pulled they're pulled away to be forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Um, the other choice, if you were going to be in a convent, were the people who are like tending to the plague victims. Like it's the the poor Claire's is the other, the, the other convent. Right. Um, so it's, yeah. In the, the architecture itself in the building, it's all these, you know, rooms that they don't fit in and barred windows. And yeah, it's, it's iron bars and tiny cells, clean white bricks all over the place. <laughs> Echoey stone hallways. Yeah. There's, it's... there's not an ounce of comfort in this place. Yeah, and it's, I mean, and again, if you, if you don't understand the frenzy that they get into and why they behave the way they do, again, it's not a subtle movie. Oliver Reed, his father Grandier, when he gets accused, 
basically says exactly why he's just like, Oh, like there, this woman knows what life is and she's locked away. And you know, that she's able to know enough about the outside world, just enough to have hope and hope leads to love and love leads to hate and hate Hate leads to to suffering. suffering. (laughs) All right. The low hanging fruit. We both got there. Yeah. (laughs) Also helps. I've I just started watching this again with with my son and um, I, boy, the prequels. Ooh, that's a uh. <laughs> we we Tangent. started watching. Tangent. Yeah, we started watching them with my youngest as well. Um, Lisa really kind of wanted to to sit down and watch with him. He's neither one of my kids really like to watch movies, yeah. so it's a struggle to get them to sit down long enough to do so. Um, he watched all three of the originals and asked the other day to watch more Star Wars and he wanted to watch, um, episode seven. Um, so we kind of blew past the prequels, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I think I, they, they might've killed my son's interest in it. I was like very much like, well, I don't want to just look well, the original tr- trilogy is kind of my childhood. I don't want to presume that. Luca wouldn't like the prequels just because I didn't. I was, you know, I was, a, I was a grown ass man when I saw those, so that's me bringing my expectation to it. And we we made it through episode one and two, and, and Luca seems just completely uninterested in watching Star Wars that, for being pumped about it <laughs> with the original yeah, I trilogy. Mean, I, I don't want to drag on with the Star Wars conversation. Yeah. The, the prequels are they have for something that you know. I think Lucas has even said that they were he he making them for younger people, a younger audience. Yeah, they're full of such dull stuff. <laughs> I just made them made them for young people. That's why I filled them full of trade disputes and Senate <laughs> proceedings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, back back to back hey, we're to, talking we're, we're talking about government and movies. That's kind of all right. Yeah, in. so you want to tie it in? Segue, sure. Why not? <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I I think that design is is really awesome. Um, but yeah, that's um, I don't know where you wanted to kind of touch on from here. I mean, we can kind of go into <laughs> Labardamon or just how how things get in motion or Father Barre. <laughs> God damn that guy! I wasn't expecting a fucking anime witch hunter priest to show up in the middle of this movie. <laughs> Dude walked right out of Van Helsing. Yeah, I you know, luckily it wasn't the last witch hunter, so we wouldn't get a, a embryonic Vin Diesel in the role. But um, the, <laughs> the 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 church decides to bring in um, once so Sister Jean has gone fairly loopy because she wants she's heard these rumors that Grandi has been married. She's obsessed with him, uh, you know, is masturbating to him and then punishing herself for it. Um, she writes to him to seek him to be the new father confessor for the church. Uh, he does not show up. And Father Mignon, who, um, you know, God, God bless the actor who played him. But if they if they were searching for the like the anti Oliver Reed to <laughs> fill this role, like the, the guy that like would be least interesting for the this nun to, who's yeah, fucking horned what, up the fuck. What's the opposite of sploosh? <laughs> um yeah father mignon shows up and is like i i'm your new confessor and she just loses her fucking mind 
um, and starts talking about like Grandier coming to see her in the night, and he takes this information to to Labarda Monk. Because we also have a subplot here about um, about Father Grandier getting a courtesan uh, pregnant, and this is her, the father's her cousin. Mm-hmm. So there's like this revenge angle where um, it's the courtesan and like an official in the town and this priest who are who have a stake in working with the the church and the state to basically destroy their own town just to get revenge on, on Father Grandier. I mean, it, it seems like a it seems like a, a long way to go for revenge on this one guy, but he he does do that lady dirty. Oh no, he is fucking <laughs> awful to her. Um, yeah, she's like. So first of all, like I. It's very odd to me that she's, like, the courtesan, like, the wealthy daughter of this, like, town official who um, apparently was was cast thinking that she was going to be, like, a Jack the Ripper's first victim. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, for the Grand J, we got love, don't we? <laughs> not, not the high class erudite and she's in full um like white face makeup again well, like I, this movie goes with archetypes man right, you know what? i mean we want to link to the theater she's got a little bit of my fair lady going on <laughs> she's coming in for latin lessons she's she's trying to teach her how to talk good and proper uh yeah I, this this is this is a very pre uh, Batman the animated series Harley Quinn <laughs> performance right from uh, from face paint included. <laughs> um, but yeah, he does her fucking dirty. He's they they're enjoying their time together. They're having the Latin lessons where you know of course he's having to like teach her a little bit of post coital Latin just to keep up the ruse. Every word you get correct is another inch in. <laughs> um, but I, he, yeah, he just, she reveals that she's pregnant and he's just like, and so well, and time so. to put my <laughs> Yeah, does the Grandpa Simpson putting on his hat and coat and walking out the door. <laughs> he's, he's so done with her at that point that he leaves his own house. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was a power move. Just like, well, I, I trust you'll see yourself out. Uh. <laughs> he tells her straight up, don't stay too long. <laughs> Can we talk about his, like, I, I'm assuming he lives in the church, like up in some tower. It's like, yeah, it's like a tower room. It, it's pretty rad, actually. It kind of kind of looks like somewhere the vulture would live. Like. <laughs> you Or you expect, like, the hunchback. <laughs> This like circular chamber with the, the central staircase that comes up through the Tiny floor. And... Staircase. <laughs> Just, but also filled with like <laughs> Renaissance <laughs> art. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty rad. Uh, um, but yeah, we he's a you know it, it's not it's assumed that this is not his only dalliance. He's you know been told to also stick to the brothels. Um, I. Speaking of things that are just fucking over the top in this movie, were you expecting a sword versus crocodile fight? <laughs> no, that's uh, I was not the crocodile. Anything but the croc. Like he's the, <laughs> this is the woman who ends up being his wife. She grabs him on the street, 
I think like immediately after he's walking out from <laughs> telling this woman, yeah, yes. man, just see yourself out of my house. <laughs> she grabs him and say, my mom's dying. You know, they're, they're working and they're not being able to help her. And he comes in and the, this is the first time we meet the, the, the chemist and the scientist and they're doing God knows what to this poor woman. <laughs> they, they got cups stuck to her all over the place. They're, Sticking cups with wasps. They, 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 they're putting a wasp in a cup. Poison and, 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 versus poison. <laughs> She's thrashing around in the bed, and I, I guess they put a stuffed alligator next to her. Crocodile, Jed, come on. Crocodile, my bad. Yeah, all right, fine. <laughs> Which, that's that's the thing that pisses Grandi off the most. Is, this crocodile! <laughs> he throws it out the window. Not the crocodile, what'd he do? Um, I, and I mean, then we have a sword fight between the the courtesan's father. Death. Yeah, <laughs> tracks the tracks the priest down, stopping every person carrying dead bodies through the streets, saying, "Where's the where's Grandier?" <laughs> and this this dude comes out and just like basically tells the dad, "Yep, yeah, too bad, <laughs> I fucked her. What are you gonna do?" <laughs> Looks like how you're about in you the... fight, How about you fight with this crocodile for a minute? <laughs> Have a sword fight with a crocodile. Which, like, I, I don't, I don't know how you're gonna, how you're gonna beat the the fucking shape that Oliver Reed is in this movie. Oliver Reed's just like a goddamn bull, like just charging from room to room. <laughs> yeah, he's solid. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think by this point too, like, there's there's also some. Uh, you know, again, with just how extra and how everything's... I think one of the things that really makes this movie work really well is that it is a studio movie and they just have so many fucking people. I, all I the thought time. you were going to say how wet everyone is constantly. Well, yeah, there's that too. Uh, <laughs> but there's just like these, these scenes of mass hysteria and it legit is mass hysteria because you have like hundreds of extras like fucking going I, nuts everywhere. You know what I was really impressed with? was how they got all those extras to just be in the corpse pits. <laughs> just dumping <laughs> piles of actual people on top of actual people. Oh, well, you know, it's a, it was the 70s in England. It's a, <laughs> it's a living. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's... Um, but there's, like, these, like, excessive, like, fantasy sequences, too, where it's, it's you have the visions... Of Sister Jean as she's uh-huh. lusting after uh, Father Grandier too, where she's seeing him as Christ and he's walking across the water and she's like giving herself to him, drying his feet off with her hair. <laughs> yeah, and I, again, I love just how fucking extra her performance is. Just the I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful. <laughs> Can I say that I fucking hate the music in this movie? <laughs> I like it, but it's very dated. It is, um... It, like, Suspiria, it, this ain't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's very intentional, but it's 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 the... It's a lot of, like, unobtrusive scoring that gives way to very intrusive scoring. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. A kind of... A, a, a very subtle piece crescendos into, like, just mistuned tubas and trombones in a a, fight with each other. It's a cacophony. It's just awful. Yeah, but I also think, I don't know, I I think 
for the movie. Like it, I don't know. It, it, it matches that to me because so much of this movie is just, you know, it's, it's Michael Keaton saying, you want to get, you want to go nuts. Let's go nuts. Like it's, you know. No, I mean, yeah, that, that's the level of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like everything in the movie is working at that pace. I mean, these, these, these fantasy sequences are just, you know, she's seeing Christ getting like the, the nails hammered in and Christ is turning into Grandier and yeah. coming yes. off the cross to fuck her. Like Jesus, literally. She, she's she is licking the uh, stigmata. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, man, I don't. You know, I, I know people make all kinds of movies in their careers, but I think like like Vanessa Redgrave, I'm I'm just used to only seeing in like Remains of the Day and uh-huh. like like masterpiece theater productions. So like seeing like, oh, her just she's got this in her bag of tricks too. <laughs> right and you know what though i I will say that you know you say all these things in a row and they sound buck wild but the movie itself was kind of (laughs) tame like more so than i thought it was going to be yeah i mean it's 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 weird to say that it i don't know it's it I, I wouldn't say tame, but I also don't think it has if you if you come into it like I did and you have it in your head that this has the reputation of being like banned and censored and yeah, like too hot even for TV. S- you couldn't see it in Finland until ten years ago and right. like it's like I, I don't know. I watched like gore movies when I was twelve. Like it does it's right. yeah, it's wild it's it's buck wild, but it's not are, like Are we just desensitized or <laughs> Well, I mean, I I think it is wild. Like part of why I wanted to do this movie when when we did it, other than seasonally, is I think it's crazy to talk about like this coming out eleven years after Psycho, like this being something that could be released into a mainstream movie theater after like that that boundary got set. Like I I just I think back to eleven years. It's like that's twenty ten. Like imagine <laughs> movies yeah, changing no. this much in that short of an amount of time. Like. Right. It's wild. (laughs) I guess, yeah, looking at it that way, that is kind of (laughs) crazy. But it's more more than kind of crazy. Yeah. I mean, I I think I get what you're saying, though, because I think for as much as there's a lot of nudity, there's a lot of like bodies in motion, there's a lot of horrible things happening. But I think most of the time when it goes to show you those horrible things, it doesn't really dwell on them or even show them all the time. Like, you don't really see that many people get like, actually injured you see like the the tongue piercing and right, you see some of the after effects but you don't see it's the idea of terrible things yeah yeah but it's constant it's 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 non-stop from start from and it's the whole setting of the movie it's it's set in the play there's people dying of a horrible plague right I, and bodies I think, outside the gates <laughs> i think another another thing to that effect is that sort of thing that relentless non-stop amount of just terrible thing, terrible thing, terrible thing could be really draining and and kind of exhausting to watch. It's not in this case because they never, they never really treat it with the level of intensity or seriousness that would get it there. I don't think. 
I don't know. I think yes and no in that regard. I think the the movie itself um, kind of doesn't, because I think the movie itself, it almost feels maybe a little bit impartial. I think it's a movie that is is on the side of both Sister Jean and uh, Father Grandier, um, but it also feels like it, it's showing you the crowd, and the crowd's reactions just wildly vacillate depending on like what they're hearing last or what seems to be the most amusing to them or that doesn't sound familiar at all uh, there's part of what that's part of why i want to talk about this movie too i think it's it's a depressingly modern movie (laughs) um or or maybe it's just depressing that this has been the case for so long yeah, and I think that's uh, I think you can tr- trace a lineage of nationalism and fascism back to these sort of feudal estates, and right. I mean some of the speeches he gives, like there's a, there's a whole scene like we didn't really touch on this where the um, so one of the main characters that we barely touched on is um, Baron Labardemont, who is mm-hmm. the kind of the the hand of the king who is there to I, well I guess I, Richelieu I say Richelieu he's more the hand of Richelieu yeah. <laughs> But but he's he's there in in function of the state, even if he's taking orders from Richelieu. This is the right. merging of the church and the state, right? Um, into one, where it's uh, he is sort of the officious. He's he's the guy who gets fascism done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not he's not the guy in charge, but he's the guy who makes makes the wheels turn. He's the one that follows the orders. Yeah, and, he, and he's very content to do so. He, he he gets to be part of the inside group, and that is that's enough for him, and it makes him jolly. Um, but he shows up to like destroy the town. He's he's and I, I think it's very, very again hard on the sleeve, not subtle at all. That the the weapons of siege that they're using to tear down the walls from the inside are all powered by like dirty Jeez. slaves being right. walking on on wheels. It's- is the Protestants. They were pushing these machines to the city at the very beginning of the yeah. movie. <laughs> um, ripping the walls down and, uh, you know, where th- this is really the crime. It's not that it's not getting uh, the courtesan Philippe pregnant. It's not even the it, if this didn't happen, Sister Jean could have said all she wanted to about grandier and nothing would have been done about it Mm -hmm. this this is the thing that sets everything in motion is that he basically says no this is a free state and i have the authority of the governor and the governor has has made peace with the king and we have a guarantee that these walls will stand and if you tear them down i'm I'm going to kill you he (laughs) he puts himself in the way yeah and he puts he he also gets the support of the community like they Obviously not the people that he's like fucked around on, but most of the people in the community love him. He's, you know, he's he's their their firebrand who fights for their independence. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> um, that's the thing that gets him destroyed. And Labardemont is, I, I think, the line that defines him best is they he goes to talk to Richelieu, which again, like a, a British movie. I, I don't know how they get like nine extra vowels in Richelieu, like Richelieu. <laughs> right. <they're> yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, British British uh, listeners, feel free to write in and tell me I'm wrong that it's my dumb uh, that I say biopic instead of biopic, and <laughs> oh, oh, they will. <laughs> <laughs> um, but 
he, he meets with Richelieu and Richelieu says, you know, oh, he, give me the background on him. And in the most, I, I, and again, another extra scene where I think this in another movie would not be as opulent as this is where they're in the, like the, uh, libraries the archives of the of the church in france and there's like a million people in the background moving information around and he's being wheeled around like fucking hannibal lecter <laughs> <laughs> fucking hand trucked around the, the library <laughs> you know you know you're a boss when you don't even have to walk anymore <laughs> I, I think he had like mobility issues. I think he was like in a wheelchair. <laughs> okay, all right, fine. Maybe I'm maybe I'm at fault here. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I, I I double checked like this on the second viewing. I was like, why the fuck was he being carted around? He was in a wheelchair, and I think in real life he did have like mobility issues. But um, <laughs> I thought you were. What, all right, so the actor did did Cardinal Richelieu? No, no, Cardinal Richelieu did not the actor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But the line is basically that, that they find out Grandia had been a Jesuit um, and that the Jesuits are, you know, that's, that's the, I'm not a Catholic. I don't know all the ins and outs about Catholicism, but I do know that the Jesuits are kind of the, the branch of the, um, the church that is kind of most known for being very studious. And um, they, there's been issues within the church within them because sometimes they'll buck up against the stated views of the church because they're, they're scholars. Um, so he says like, Oh, you, the, the Jesuits say, give us, you know, seven years of a man's life. And, um, you know, that, that basically that, that you're going to, you're going to have to contend with them forever. They're going to forge like a soldier and, uh, for Christ. And, uh, Labardamont's line back is like, well, give my line is give me three lines of a man's handwriting and I'll have them destroyed. Like it's, uh-huh. That's that's who you're. That's who he's dealing with here. Right. They're, he's they're coming at it from different shit up. <laughs> yeah. Well, they 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 do carefully pick out what they're gonna run with because they have, there's that scene where they have the options to run because they yeah. find out at this point he's knocked up the, the courtesan, he's secretly gotten married, and there's the sister Jean of the Angels thing, and it's basically Labardemont like cherry picking what they want to yeah there's like a with. like a war room discussion where they're saying well how about this yeah it's circumstantial we can't really make that stick i need more evidence before we can move on that <laughs> they're just running down the list of things they can try to pin it pin on them yeah which I, I do think it's funny that it's like oh we, we need solid evidence like i don't know compelling people to say the devil did it like that's that's solid <laughs> that'll hold up <laughs> under solid scrutiny um, but I don't know. Maybe no, I mean the... that. I mean, in his final speech before the the court, he kind of says that he's like, you know, oh, I love, I, I love a lot of his speeches at the end. Yeah, he basically says, oh, you know, well, the dead, the devil says this is true, so it must be true. We're going to take his word over mine. <laughs> yeah, the the prince of liars. That if we don't believe him, surely we've sacrilege. Like, <laughs> right. And it's um... like, wow, dude, just spit and fire. <laughs> I, I think my uh, my favorite line that he comes back in on, like, so there's this there's this weird section of the movie where I I can't quite wrap my head around the timeline on it, where it's it's between when he gets accused and when he comes back and he like faces trial. Um, so like, in, there's a lot of montage in this movie where like, cutting between different areas, like even in the same scene, they'll split a scene up 
into into several different parts and have different yeah. part, pieces play out concurrently. Um, it's difficult but, to follow at times. I mean, timeline wise, not uh, plot wise. Yeah, but they they do like this whole bit where um, Father Grandi is accused, and he goes to seek the king to plead his case, and they they make an interesting choice where they don't show that. They just show him like talking about like, oh, the king said this. And then they kind of have this honeymoon period where both him and his wife are outside of Ludon, like frolicking in the countryside. And it's just the fields by the Catherine wheels, <laughs> which we see later in the movie. They're right outside the walls. <laughs> but it's it's juxtaposed with. At this point, the, the whole plot's in motion where they they've basically tortured the mother superior to the point where. Okay, you've said you were possessed by the devil. You've got to put on a better show than you're putting on. And yeah. they 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 fucking force it out of her. And when the other nuns see this and feel some sympathy for it, they take them out to the woods and basically threaten to kill them all, like tie them in a pit all together in a clump with a rope, which is this, this seems fucking wild. <laughs> I, all right. <laughs> Is that what was happening in that scene? I, I will admit to kind of drifting off a little bit because it seemed like I, I knew what was happening in a, a, a scene specific, like prominently featuring Father Beret and you drifted off. Oh, oh, the devil is on you. Oh. <laughs> I, I caught that part, but. <laughs> this like, I, I, again, like part of. Some of the things in this movie, these, the, these big choices that get made, where, like, everybody else seems to feel really period, and he seems to play this as, like, I'm going to be a witch hunter, but, like, I'm, I am I just got out from a, from a Rolling Stone concert, and, like, <laughs> I've still got my, my purple specs on and my hippie hair. He, no, 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 he absolutely is Johnny Depp as Jack Sparrow in this movie. <laughs> That's the level of choices he's making compared to what, the, what else is going on. <laughs> but this is like basically they're in no uncertain terms telling these women, right. hey, here are your choices. You can say that you're innocent and we're going to not believe you and we're going to kill you out here and your souls will be damned to it for, for all of eternity. Or you could admit that what we're saying is correct and lose your goddamn minds and do anything you want to do. And it's it's the work of Father Grandier, right? Like basically, like right. we're releasing you from accountability for this. We're this. <laughs> you have a choice here, <laughs> and, and I guess that means take your tops off. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that's uh, it's nuns gone wild. We got we got some nuns exploitation in this movie. <laughs> I mean, that's that is. I think. I think what may have been able to push this over the line into horror for me would have been. If it was more happening in the convent to show that the the they kind of gone crazy, or that they, I, I don't know, it just seems. I think they were kind of crazy before. I mean, they, they, they were these... kind of crazy before. Like I'm not. Yeah, I I get that. Like I am. If you don't have some amount of um, sympathy or empathy for you know what's happening to these women who've been locked up in the convent, you know they didn't they like you said they didn't choose this. I can understand completely how they would kind of lose it a little bit, like lose their grasp on reality because everything doesn't seem to make sense to them anymore. 
Like, why are, why are they here? <laughs> what led them to this point? Like, I understand yeah. all that. But I think that just running around topless and blowing raspberries at people doesn't. <laughs> well, um, they're also, I mean, I think one of the things, one of my favorite images of this movie is the, um, the one who so far has been shown to kind of be the most like pious and in line with, with the rest of them is the, is the same nun who is standing up by these giant candles of tapers and just ripping pages out of the Bible and burning them, throwing them into the air as like yeah. orgies going on in the background. Um, but I, we also get, um, I mean, they're, 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 they're putting on a show here. I think part of that is e- even in 1971. I think Ken Russell said like, in the books, it was even crazier, and I think that's part of okay. what it what it was. I think that's part of also why probably so many people showed up is like, yeah, they kind of had license to do whatever they want, and they had free reign to do it. They got to watch their stories, <laughs> pretty much. And it's just um, the so one of the, the scenes that got cut is uh, during this part. There, there's a portion of it where there's a a cross with jesus on it and the nuns tear it off the wall and it is called the rape of christ scene so um <laughs> that that one you have to get the unrated uh, version for that's that's not on shutter unfortunately um okay <laughs> <laughs> so the other the other bit that was cut um so at the very end of the movie after um father grandier has been burned um, mm-hmm. and he didn't, he didn't get the strangling he was promised. I promised him a strangling. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the noose? No. <laughs> um, is that, uh, Labardemont just, uh, there's the scene with her that I, 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 this might be actually the scene that I most make the pitch for this as a horror movie mm-hmm. is just the utter glee in which he comes in and just basically tells sister Jean, like, Oh, what's going to happen to you? Well, you're going to live out your days here. There's going to be some tourists occasionally. You're you're going to die the same way you were going to die before. Maybe sooner because we're going to tear the walls down. And uh, that that priest that you fancied, here's his charred leg bone. <laughs> Peace out. Like, see you later. Like, what? Are you saying that wasn't in the version that you watched? Because I saw it. <laughs> no, there is an additional part. Oh, an um, additional part. Okay. So after Labardemont leaves... Uh, Vanessa Redgrave jills off with that bone. <laughs> so that's that's the other edited scene in this movie. <laughs> movie doesn't make sense without those two scenes, Jed. <laughs> they tie it all together. Director Ken Russell. I, you know, I'm making <laughs> exasperated noises, but that ran through my mind when threw <laughs> the bone in there. I was like, oh, it's the right shape. <laughs> um i I think i I ended up getting off track a little bit but the um the one line i specifically wanted to call out is maybe my favorite line in the movie Mm -hmm. is um father grandier coming back as the trial has started and he's basically shaming everybody that's in the church and then he starts admitting to his own sins and saying like yes i've I've done this i've done this i've been proud i've i've lusted and then uh he has the whole like uh but but working for satan satan's boy i could never be i haven't the humility <laughs> that is some yeah. fucking weapons grade 
dialogue right there. He's <laughs> kind of a stone cold pimp in this movie. If you have not um, ever seen Oliver Reed be interviewed before, do yourself a favor, uh, track down clips of, of Oliver Reed on talk shows. Um, I, I don't think he could appear on a talk show unless like he got drunk enough to pass out. Somebody woke him up and he got, he drank that much again. I think that's like <laughs> when he would go and speak on these shows. <laughs> like, All right. <laughs> it is. It's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty majestic. Just what, what level of stumble drunk you could get away with being like in the, in the seventies, eighties and nineties and just wander onto the set of the tonight show. <laughs> and they'd invite you back. <laughs> We've got a movie to promote. <laughs> I didn't realize he was in gladiator. I, I, I completely spaced on that until like uh, I, I was looking the uh, the slave the gladiator guy who yeah. picks up yeah he's the guy who trains uh, him and stuff yes yeah. yeah I didn't I as soon as you said he was in gladiator I knew that's who it was but I didn't until you said <laughs> it, I didn't make the connection either yeah I did I, I as, as, again as soon as I read it on IMDb I was like oh fuck yeah yeah he was in gladiator um okay. We, we didn't talk about we didn't talk about Protestant bird shooting. <laughs> <laughs> another, I'm sure, another example of the score that you loved. Right. <laughs> this is the part of the score that I, I I will agree with you. I don't think I get what they're going for. It's the same thing as that dream where it goes wild. They they want to show like kind of the the farce of this of these people arbiting the lives of right. Just the, the level of hedonism on display at the top. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely gets into like, like there might as well be like slide whistles and like bus horns honking. And like, right. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, or the, or the, the King's big joke. <laughs> it's like, I brought this holy relic. <laughs> Why don't you use it? <laughs> Well, I, 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 what I think this scene does awesome is it shows kind of the everybody there, there knows it's the king, and it's this whole like farce he's able to get away with just because he's he has the, the power. It's this right. joke he's playing, and he has he has he's no wearing a mask, and they they announce him as a duke. <laughs> yeah, but no, like everyone knows, <laughs> <laughs> and and it's just everyone has to pretend, and they have this like it, it, he basically just punks them all like makes a mockery of what they're doing by giving them this relic that's not there he functionally walks like after it's after it's over he, he just kind of gets his crew to pick him up and walks out backwards going deuces chumps <laughs> the whole way and that's like the last you see of him that's like that's uh, peace out for that's the king his big exit <laughs> oh man yeah, the uh, there's maybe some stuff that didn't age that well about like the, their portrayal of his uh, his homosexuality here, <laughs> but um, with his boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll try to call that stuff out. It's it's, it's I think movies in general and it's horror movies. Sorry, <laughs> there's there's some of the stuff that's going to be in it. Um, but yeah, I think there's uh, I, I don't know. Was there was there other choices or things you wanted to 
specifically talk about scenes we haven't touched on. Like I, I could, I could keep talking about Sister Jean for or Father Barry for for ages. <laughs> no, I. Father Barry and is like, well, I gotta put you in this headlock for Christ. I gotta put you in the crossface. <laughs> We're gonna make Satan tap out. <laughs> no, I mean it's all if if our listeners don't understand how over the top this movie is by now <laughs> hammering on about more about this one character is not going to get him there <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like that the the worst torture the thing that's like in like that's dwelled on the longest is the haircut <laughs> <laughs> no i know you've punctured my tongue and you've tortured my wife and i don't know where she is but not not a haircut. Let me let me look at it one last time. Do you have a mirror? I want to remember me. <laughs> Would have liked to know you, but you were just a kid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This this movie is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, and it's just I I I loved it. I'm I I'm on a. I find more and more like, yeah, I do appreciate subtle things. I do like low key movies that feel a little bit more real and lived in. But I think my real passion is just when people fucking swing for the fences. And this is like, yeah, oh, this is the, the, this is this is Bambino stepping up to to, to the plate. This is a uh... <laughs> calling shot. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I can I can appreciate that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, pretty pretty goddamn wild. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of any other scenes I want to touch on or any other pieces. Um, I mean, I think I'm okay. I, again, I really just want to specifically call out just um, Oliver Reed's performance. Just is absolutely phenomenal it's 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 the only grounded thing in this movie and it's kind of all the better for it mm-hmm. um it, yeah and like everybody else you can tell is like theater people too they're they're just they're 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 all going for it man they're all putting on a show <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, I will say we're two for two on all of the performances that i think are great <laughs> So are, are, are if you if you don't have anything else are we are we ready to step onto the sales floor here? I th- I think we can move on to to see if you made a sale. Okay, so uh, again, like I, I know there's the the question about like horror versus not horror, and maybe you're gonna ding me on that, but um, I I, I really kind of want to champion in some ways some of these movies that um maybe weren't made for the time that they were. I mean, it's very much a seventies movie, but it's, I, I think this right. is a movie that, that hits differently all the years, <laughs> years later. And it's, it's for it to kind of get this second chance, I think is like, I think it's really cool. I, I really think it's awesome that so much of the dialogue and like the horror community and, and just shutter getting, they had gotten access to it once before, but they were just launching and there wasn't a big um, base subscribers yet. They didn't have the audience for it. Yeah, and I think it's really found its home after that. And I I really love that. I like a lot of other Ken Russell's movies. Um, he's he again. He he. This is kind of his thing. Uh, everybody, all the British press, all called him. I guess they all agreed to call him 
England's infant terrible because it's just any article you read at the time, it's like Mr. Russell quotation marks <laughs> England's yeah. infant terrible. Like okay, well maybe write your own copy. Um, but I, I think he again just it, it's it's all excess and it's all over the top, and I think critics bagged on him for that. But like he gave interviews at the time, and he was just like this this is the kind of story that calls for it like what are you why are you getting on my case when it's i'm talking about you know control and destruction of the individual spirit and you know the the mechanisms of of fascism like it's not i'm going to talk very loudly about these things and i i sure. i'm i'm on board with that i don't know if it everything grabbed you and you're on board as well but interested to hear it um i will say that there are performances and uh performances in this movie that i really enjoyed there are scenes that i really enjoyed i did not really enjoy this movie okay okay is that a i didn't i i i didn't enjoy it but i appreciate it you son of a bitch sold is that are we getting there <laughs> i mean no (laughs) let's just say no no um this is this is not on the level of like some of the other movies we've watched that i haven't been sold on where i would say i'm i'm mad that i watched this movie i don't like why (laughs) do dumber for having experienced it (laughs) um i think that there is an important topic being discussed here uh, as <laughs> non-subtle as it is. Um, I, I think it all goes back to the is this a horror thing thing again. Um, and I can understand your perspective on it. I, I just think that I think the performances are too big. Like it's it's I can't I have a hard time taking it seriously when everything is so over the top yeah yeah that's i think that's actually a lot of the criticism at the time so you're, you're kind of in line with you know what stodgy old british men in the 70s thought so <laughs> i mean it, that's that's my belly <laughs> <laughs> um cool okay well we 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 already just talked last time about what we're gonna be doing next time but just in case people didn't listen to that episode i do want to kind of call it out i do want to uh admit a rare uh uh-oh where i i incorrectly said that the next episode would be the 420 episode it is not going to be the 420 episode so but the whole concept that we picked from it flawed it was dashed dashed on the rocks um um, it's 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 the one episode before that but next time we are going to be doing uh 2020's host the um found footage uh man just giving shutter a lot of traffic these days uh shutter exclusive um kind of underdog runaway success story like ended up being on a bunch of like top 10 movie lists for the year horror or otherwise um i think i think it's a real good time and again like i said last week i think the the selling point on this one under an hour long so (laughs) i anticipate enjoying this um these are just the like the concept of what this is like a, it's a smaller smaller film kind of 
groundswell of word of mouth success, like that sort of stuff tends to, uh, to hit with me more often than not. So, yeah, well, we'll kind of go into like more of the details around because I think it's an awesome story about just kind of how much it's taken off and kind of where where they started and where they are now. Um, definitely want to get into that, but yeah, that's um, that's what we got going on. I do have a crispy here um, that I do want to hand out. I don't out. know how you can possibly give one in this movie. Well, I, I have my. I think in a field of people going for it, like I, again, like I say Oliver Reed's performance is subdued. I think in another movie, oh, it would feel he, like a big performance. His performance feel... is still big. <laughs> don't, don't get it twisted. His, he's still swinging for the fences. Yeah. But he's like, he's using a bat. He's not like launching it out of a fucking rocket launcher. <laughs> no, he's not stepping up to play with nothing but an erection <laughs> and saying, give me the heat. Um, my, my, this was vacillating between two people for me. Um, my initial inclination was really to give it to Vanessa Redgrave, just that I I haven't seen anything with her like this before. And just seeing this gear that I didn't know about, that's just so goddamn extra. And I, I, I did my imitation of it once, but there's a couple, she does this laugh a couple times in the movie that just like like fucking sells it. (laughs) Um, but no, I gotta give it to my man uh, Michael Gothard as as Father Barry, who, uh, woo, um, yeah, he that's he's that, hungry that, for scenery. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is uh, my movie. Y'all y'all are here on my time. <laughs> he's like, I made the most choices, <laughs> therefore I win, and he, and he does. That's the that's the award. You get it. You, <laughs> I I never claimed to not get it. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, uh, it's, a it's a wild ride. I, I, I think, uh, again, what we've already talked about so far, it's, I, I kind of feel like you're going to know whether you're going to like this one or not kind of upfront because of just how upfront about itself it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but well, hold on. has, has he been in another movie that we've watched recently? The father Barry? Yes. I don't think he has. The other thing that I kind of know him from is he was a uh, Bond villain. He was in For Your Eyes Only. His, I saw his name in the credits, and I, I could have sworn he was in something else that we did. I don't know. Maybe I'll, I, I will. I, I will dedicate next week another segment to the O's to see uh, <laughs> if I if I did miss something that he was in uh maybe one day retroactively i'll go back and go through all the things that um that my anxious ass has like realized i said or did wrong throughout the entire course of the show and just just have a bloopers episode just a (laughs) a cell phone episode um but yeah um so let's let's talk a little bit about the business business yeah it's business time um you want to reach out to us uh please do so you can get on our facebook group we've got a, a, a trickle of a few people popping in and um jed will attest to how stupid the things i post are are so if you want to you're pretty dumb <laughs> if you want to see how dumb those i can get that's uh you do you do want to see how dumb they get <laughs> wouldn't believe it um Probably the best way to reach out to us is uh, via Twitter at Scream Selling. We also do have the Gmail account, Scream at Gmail, um, if you want to reach out to us there as well. Um, the biggest thing you can do to help us, what we really appreciate is um, 
if we've made your a commute any better, um, please rate and review us on the podcatcher of your choice or the uh, podcast app. Um, iTunes drives the most traffic, so if you can if you can do it there, that's probably the best for us. Um, they they have said again, and it's just I feel like I'm just getting an iOS agreement just every time I log in. It's just well, and I, I conveniently only log in every two weeks right before we do the show. Um, this time, I, it, it actually looks like some folks from across the, the pond wrote it, and they said that if you have negative reviews, toss them in the bin, in the boot of your lorry, stick it in your fanny. And uh, I don't know you if you... From the text, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, the, there's uh, there's actually, like, a, the, the pronunciation you can click on. Um, and I, I do want to point out that the, the, the British, the fanny doesn't mean quite the same thing, so that's that seems like... Ooh, what they want you to do with it. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's, I think that's all I got. Unless you have, have anything else you want to. No, I think, uh, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, join us next time for hosts and we will talk to you later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Oh, thank you.